Hello friends, welcome to The Backhanders. Here we bring you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. We cover each tennis slam and we are unafraid to slam tennis. My name's Lightning and with me a man, a man I believe, uh, but to be honest I haven't checked recently. Uh, his name, this man, is Catters. Catters, welcome. Lightning, so good to be with you. I could not be more pumped to be back together again. It's been a while. It feels like it's been a very long time, actually, since our last pod. Absolutely. Um, Of course, as the listeners well know, we follow the four major slams, um, or the the major slam and the three sub slams. Um, And it's good (laughs) to be back to the Australian Open, which is, we're a little biased, but it is God's own slam. It's the purest slam. It's the one that we grew up getting along to and uh, enjoying year in, year out. And I think I love the idea that everybody's on a level playing field. Let's face it, most have been on holidays for two to three months uh, and ha- don't have any particular form going in. <laughs> if you put that aside, I think it's a great slam. I think that uh, it's probably the perfect slam. Exactly, exactly. And as you said, it's the slam that starts off the year. Everyone tries to emulate and fails miserably because it's the one that's done properly, perfectly, of course, other than the heat and players melting and losing a few here and there through heat stroke. But otherwise, it's just faultless. It's a fantastic open. Yeah, the heat's not ideal either. Um, But it is – I love the idea that it's just – You know, it's played on this beautiful island Mm. away from all distraction. It's not like New York where you have the glitz and glam and the celebrities coming in. Of course, there's a factor with jet lag. Most players are just completely mentally burnt out by the flight getting down there. But that's another level, I think, that just, you know, tests them. Yeah, Yeah. it means there's some lousy tennis for the first week and a half, but it it really amps up from there on in. So, And, of course, it means that we're in a time zone that none of the rest of the world is. So for foreign audiences, it's disastrous. But for those of us in Australia, it is amazing. It's thriving. It's happening. It's a vibrant open, and it's all good. There's there's very little that goes wrong. You do say that about the time zone difference, but it's the one slam that has captured the imagination of all insomniacs and serial killers <laughs> worldwide. It's the open voted number one by people wanting to dump bodies midway through the night. And I think that that's a glowing endorsement that is sadly not reflected in the marketing campaign this year, Lightning. <laughs> I had wondered where they were going with some of those ad campaigns, but it's you're starting to fill the gaps for me, Gutters. So... But even that, you see, you can see that the creativity in the marketing campaign that Australia goes to, it it's a faultless open, and we all know that uh, nothing goes wrong, of course, other than when the Australia Day fireworks goes off at a very crucial point in the final towards the end of the tournament, but other than that... Every single year. It's almost as if it catches them by surprise that Australia is celebrating its national day in the form of fireworks, whilst the men's or women's <laughs> open is at a pivotal stage. I can almost imagine some cartoonish villain holding a lighter or a flame about to spark the fireworks, just waiting for that critical second serve after a foot fault that's about to send Serena Williams into a psychotic rage. But aside from that, it's the purest open. Heaven knows why the hell they actually launched the fireworks from the top of Rod Laver Arena. I have no idea why. There's other venues that could be used... It's a wonderful open. It's it's, a wonderful it is a wonderful open. open. And firing off Roman candles from the Hawkeye booth is a nice <laughs> touch, I think. Uh, brings them more and more into the game. 
But as we said, Gutters, it is, it's a grand open. It is the grandest of slams. And uh, we really look forward to the Oz Open. And yet, there's a tinge of sadness this year, and that is, of course, most of our listeners would be familiar with the tragedy that is the recent fires here in Australia on an unprecedented level, a billion animals killed, homes lost, deaths. It's tragic. And yet, for all the tragedy that continues to swirl around and the smoke haze that envelopes this city, the positive is, of course, the way tennis has responded. And I think you and I, Kat, as agree that sport has a capacity to speak into these significant events and to actually be a voice that unites, that helps. In fact, as we go to recording right now, the rally for relief is being played right now. And numerous tennis players have begun to pledge money that they'll donate. Um, Curios is, is donating $200 a serve. Um, An ace, I and, think. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's a generous man, but he's not that generous. <laughs> True. There is a distinction there. Um, the Red Cross are just sitting in the front row, just counting pennies, going, this is amazing. So, sorry, $200 an ace from Curios. Other players have jumped on the back of that. So, Cornet has said... I can't serve for crap, so I'm not going with that line. I'm going to offer $200 whenever I nail a drop shot. Fantastic. Mm, yeah. Uh, Simona Hallop, recent winner of Wimbledon, is offering $200 whenever she looks at her coach in the stands or, or makes some kind of gesture to them in the stands, which is fascinating. Which I'll remind you is actually illegal. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, between the donations and the, the match fines that she'll be uh, racking up over the coming days, it's uh, it's bad 2020 for Simona Hallop thus far. <laughs> exactly. No, and um, Ash Barty also... Um, you know, she she did her best, didn't she? <laughs> after, she after <laughs> she spoke a big game. She went into the Brisbane International saying, "I'm going to donate all of my earnings, all of my winnings, of course, in inverted commas, my winnings from this tournament." And of course, then lost in the second round. And so, a warm up tournament in Brisbane, second round, fetched. Let me do the maths. So thanks, Ash. Um, You say that, but um, Bernard Tomic was offering a similar deal. However, he just conked out in the qualifiers uh, for the the Australian Open. (laughs) So he walks away without a a prize money check. But then also he said, if you factor in my hotel and transit costs, uh, the Red Cross actually (laughs) owe him 12 grand. I was led to believe that Tomic said he'd support Australia by not playing tennis, which I thought was a very generous. It's really galvanised uh, the community. Uh, people have really gotten around that. <laughs> Nothing brings people together like a lack of Bernard Tomic in our in our communal lives. <laughs> well, the the Ash Barty thing it is a little sad if you ask me because you know obviously she mm. had a huge payday in the f- the latter stages of last year when she won the WTA finals and pocketed yeah. four point six million dollars for that uh, week's worth of effort and then um, mm. yeah she conks out in Brisbane but not only that I find it just really offensive that she thinks that she wants to play tennis still named Ash and I think that that's just rubbing it in people's faces. <laughs> Uh, and I wouldn't be laughing if I were you. I mean, lightning is hardly <laughs> sensitive at these times. Well, considering how many feral catters we've lost over the last little while, I'd, 
But, uh, I believe. Yeah, th- those in glass houses, Kelly. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'll, I'll have to refer to uh, your previous nickname and uh, – or maybe it was your, your stripper name, Relief Rain. <laughs> that was my Native American name. Oh, yes, sorry. Thank you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that, along those lines as well, I think speaking of name changes, I don't know if many of you know this, mm. but Bouchard is actually the French for bouche meaning bush and shard meaning fire of, of large proportions. <laughs> so, and I also did a bit of research and Eugenie actually means I like. Oh, no, wait a second. That's it. So, I light. So, not a good three weeks for one Eugenie Bouchard who's slugging it out in qualifiers and is yet to dip in her social media enriched pockets. Oh, dear. But it's great to see when players do dig into their pockets. Serena Williams, another one we haven't mentioned. She donated all of her Auckland prize money. She's just won over the ditch in New Zealand. Yep. She donated all of her, her winnings to, to Fire Relief, which is fantastic. Usually when she wins tournaments, she just gives the novelty check to a busker outside the venue. <laughs> so to actually give that to, to Fire Relief this time round is fantastic. So, yeah, she's, she's, she's playing with house money, isn't she, at this stage of her career? <laughs> <laughs> Um, she has such influence in the sport. I'm surprised during her acceptance speech and receiving the trophy that she didn't just say, and by the way, to my opponent today, bad luck, and I've actually put you up for adoption uh, to an Australian family where you'll be working on the front line of the bushfires for the next four months. Good luck, and may God have mercy on your soul. And what are you going to do? It's Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear two cutters and i'm not sure if you were aware that not only did she donate her earnings her winnings she also donated each outfit she's worn throughout the tournament did you hear that so I really think, i believe she'll be auctioning them off or doing something with them i assume she's not just putting them on the fires or as she would previously do uh provide them to orphans for halloween costumes for the coming year <laughs> Uh, but I do look forward to a neighbourhood of small American children walking around in the, in a cat suit, the grimace of Gotham, yes. the Power Ranger uniform, yep. the Wiggles themed outfit. Yeah. What other suit she's worn throughout the tournament? So. Well, Lightning, just on that with Serena, I mean, it wouldn't would it be out of question that she might actually rock up in round one wearing some sort of uh, Bane style <laughs> outfit from the third <laughs> Batman? incorporating a gas mask into her um, otherwise chic get-up because the players have been struggling out there, I tell you, in qualifying. They have. They have. Both Tomic, the man himself, Bernard Tomic, and mm-hmm. Eugenie Bouchard uh, had to call medical timeouts <laughs> this week. They were complaining of choking. <laughs> which is uh, which is maybe just a way of bridging out to the fans where we've been doing the same of them for the past better part of a decade. Um, now you know how we feel, kids. But, you know, I mean, probably I think Eugenie was heard actually saying, what, I can have a medical timeout for this all this time? 
But no, they've been struggling. The conditions have been terrible. I believe the air quality in Melbourne has been, in the last seven days, has been the worst city in the world for air quality. Is that correct? Which is incredible. Absolutely. We had another player faint today during qualifying. Um, Bernard Tomic, when the trainer came onto court, they said, how are you feeling? And his sentence was, well, it's not like I'm the fittest guy. (laughs) (laughs) Is that legit? (laughs) That's legit. That was from the the mouth of babes. Do you think it's legit, Lightning? I just wonder if it's a cop-out, to be honest. I think our listeners will remember the French Open last year. Nothing short of a Mm. cyclone hitting the devil's dirt. And that just Mm. threw a spanner amongst the works. And I just think, look, rain, hail, shine, bushfire twice the size of Denmark. you got to show up (laughs) and you got to compete. And I don't know. I just don't have a lot of sympathy. It comes back to me for the fact that, you know, they're getting paid a lot of money, Lightning. And if I want to release a wild lion onto the court at some stage... I should have the right to as a fan. Am I entitled? Probably. Am I right? Absolutely. It is a survival of the fittest, Cutters, isn't it? And it, It's gladiatorial. That's what I'm saying. It's gladiatorial. Well said. And if they're physically having to, to fight not only elements but a burning court, well, that's what has to happen. Play, and if you happen to lose the capacity to breathe, it's been great knowing you. And, uh, you know, in comes the next soldier and off we go. Well said, Catters. I think that's well said. So, Catters, we, we have a heap to look forward to in this Australian Open. But in order to really appreciate what we're about to see, we need to see what has gone before. So much has happened since the US Open. I'm desperate for our listeners to be brought up to speed. And so in order to do that, I'd like to offer you a challenge, my friend. I'd like to give you 60 seconds. And in that 60 seconds, I would like you to Get us across the terrain and the territory of what has happened in these last few months, who's done what, what's happened, so we can appreciate now the drama that's unfolding. So, Cutters, a new segment, a 60-second challenge. Cutters, over to you. Okay, Lightning, I'll do my best here to summarise it. Uh, have you got the clock ready to start? Starting now. Okay, listeners, since the last time, Kyrgios got a six-month suspension for going nuts in Cincinnati, but it was suspended. He immediately went on Instagram and trolled the Federation for the sentence. ATP rocked in London, the finals. Rafa versus Djokovic. They fought it out for world number one. Both ran out of steam. Rafa got the number one, and Itsy Sitsy got the title. In the women's, Aussie Ash won the first WTA finals, where the prize money was literally more than the GDP of a middle-sized African nation. She also got the number one. She did, however, lose the Fed Cup on Australian turf. The French decided not to go on strike and were incredible, ensuring that Australia have a worse winning streak than the combined fortunes of every horse that's ever run against Black Caviar. Spain won the Davis Cup again. Uh, it was in Spain. Next year, it's going to be in Spain. Who says tennis, tennis is political? Tennis is also political, but tennis is particularly political. Shout out to our Kiwi listeners. Hopman Cup was replaced by the ATP Cup, which also has no significance whatsoever, but try telling that to Djokovic and Serbia, who celebrated like they'd won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> oh, Catters. Fantastic. <sighs> That is one monumental effort. And now I know everything I need to know to appreciate the grandest of slams. Thank you, my friend. It tells me that there's a lot of fat in these episodes. We could be knocking out seven-minute apps <laughs> per slam. What are we even doing all this time? Wasting our time taking valuable breaths between sentences. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. Catters on the heels of Oz Open 2020. What have you been most excited about recently? 
Yeah, Lightning, I can't go past the ATP Cup. I know I slammed it in passing just before when I was doing that quick summary, but I actually found it compelling. I love the idea Mm. of uh, a bunch of nations coming together, some real countries, some seemingly fictitious that I'd never heard of before. I guess when you have to pull together 24 nations, I'm using uh, quotation marks very loosely there, nations of the likes of Moldova, you are gay, which I can only presume was a, a taunt to Margaret Court ahead of this year's Open. Um, and a few other nations that, that I only recognize from the back page of a Narnia book that I read this Christmas. Um, so it was, it was an interesting dynamic because mixed amongst them, you had your heavyweights. You had Spain, you had Italy, you had Australia, Great Britain. Serbia. Uh, and, Serbia. Yeah. Great nations. So it was a really interesting dynamic. The thing I liked most about it was the idea that you had your own little kind of core group of players and coaches that could sit in the corner, actually on court, more or less where the bunker would be for commentators in the past. And so there was a lot of interaction between the players and their group. And it was just fascinating to see how all the nations operate differently. So in Australia's case, obviously, Nick Kyrgios loves playing on the big scene for his country. He loves the team environment. You know he's a big basketball fan. And you just think a lot of the time he's craving that interaction on court. So for him, it was great that he could spar with the other guys and have fun. But contrasting that with other nations was classic because obviously when they played uh, Germany, you had the Australians just going crazy in their corners, you know, chest bumping each other, high-fiving at the change events. The German section was occupied only for Zverev's match. It was occupied only by the official German coach, one Boris Becker, who was standing, pacing back and forth in the in the little <laughs> um, lounge area on court, dressed in all white, literally looking like some sort of psychiatric doctor, longingly waiting for his patient to return. <laughs> And I mean, it's an apt description because Zverev was on another planet. And when he would come back in, he would just enter this unofficial psych ward and sit down and Becker could not say anything. Um, it's It was just utterly brilliant. And the two of them would just sit there in silence. Becker all dressed in white, just, you know, wanting to break that awkward silence by saying, but how does that make you feel? You almost wanted them to have a couch there that Zverev could lie on. And talk about how he was actually sexually attracted to his mother at a young age. <laughs> Allegedly. And it was like a, a patient going into a doctor's, a doctor's room and being given the diagnosis and Becca looking over the script and Zvarev <laughs> conked in this tournament. And he, it was as though this doctor was looking over and going, you've got every type of cancer. There is nothing I can say, my friend. (laughs) There is nothing I can do for this serve, my friend. I'm sorry. (laughs) Forehand dead on arrival. (laughs) The other exciting things was the integration of technology. I know that they had an iPad in each of the team bunkers, so you could track the stats. <laughs> I think in the case of Germany, um, Boris Becker had had reverted to playing Angry Birds just to let out some aggression <laughs> in the third set. Um, and there was another team where, who was asked about it? One of the players was asked about what they thought of that function and they said that they didn't know how to switch on the iPad. <laughs> I genuinely think in their press conference, they said something, and it might have been Sitsipas, they were like, oh yeah, I think it's a great initiative. I just didn't know how to switch it on. 
But speaking of Sitsipas, I know that he probably gave us the greatest highlight of the tournament where after losing the first set and combusting, he proceeded to completely demolish his racket by his little player's bunker, which at that time was only occupied by his father and coach. Um, And his dad uh, actually got smacked by one of the pieces of the racket, which left a huge welt on his forearm. Oh, it was Um, massive. It was actually one of the few shots during the match that he actually landed. (laughs) And unlucky for for Itsy Sitsy, he'd already felt bad enough for the fact that he'd just walloped his father with a piece of the racket. (laughs) And within two minutes, his mother comes bolting down the stands to lecture him about that's no way of treating your father or your sports equipment, Stephanos. How embarrassing. It was like a Greek daytime soap opera unfolding in before our very eyes it was magical exactly and then she took out a hanky and said and you've got food all over your face as well <laughs> but but the third act yeah. where they where they resolved their issues and proceeded to smash plates across the baseline was just a really nice touch gave me as the viewer a lot of closure <laughs> but there were other players who matched uh, Tsitsa passes outburst. Benoit Pair, he went absolutely nuts, took out multiple rackets, then got back to his bunker and took out multiple water bottles and threw them onto the courts. There's two rackets, there's two water bottles. Maybe that's why they call him Pear. I don't know. But he's gone ballistic. Medvedev, did you see Medvedev cutters who in a spat with in a spat with the umpire approached the chair and with his racket slammed the umpire's chair he was sitting on like it was unbelievable. So for mine cutters we're usually used to these chump tournaments that are very sedate and yet we've just had this epic nation v nation Gladiator v Gladiator. We've seen Djokovic already playing Nadal. We've seen Kyrgios seeming to enjoy and care about tennis. We've seen Djokovic being cheered on. This is not what we're used to. And yet, I'm fascinated to see whether they're going to rock up with anything left in the tank. Because for mine, these guys are going to be absolutely flogged when they rock up to the Open in only a few days' time. First question for Nick. Do you regret going to the pub last night? Do you think you could have played a bit better if you hadn't? No. You look way too excited to ask that question. You must have a really boring life. Catters, as you've already alluded to, so much has happened since the last Open that we covered. And so we need to know who's rising. So who is the fed up? Who is following in the in the, the footsteps of the fed and becoming the next great one? Who, who's emerging before us? Who's the fed up? And who in the skid marks of Mark the Pooh Philippousis Who's letting us down? Who's failing to deliver on potential? Who is our fed up and who is our poo down? Who is it for you this time, Catters? Well, Lightning, I'm very excited by the Russian man-child, Andrei Rublev, <laughs> who this last week won the Qatar Open, right. a tournament that I was not particularly familiar with, mainly because no one plays it. Uh, there's <laughs> There was a field of about... 20 players that showed up. Um, So it was not hotly contested, but I just admire (laughs) Rublev's ability to A, travel on his own when he looks about eight years old and get on a flight (laughs) to the Middle East and, and B, front up and win a tournament that apparently has not registered on anyone else's radar in tennis. But to the victor be the spoils. And our friend Rublev... Romped it in, had a great week, 
smashed it in the final and uh, to the victor be the spoils, as I said. And it, in this case, is a golden eagle trophy that for most people, I would say it looks like a life-size eagle. But for Rublev, it looks like one of those birds that Frodo is flying on in The Lord of the Rings. It is just a gigantic bird of prey that he will be taking as carry-on with him to Melbourne. And he comes with great form. A lot of people are talking up his potential. I think he's uh, he's a dark horse to at least make the quarters in, in Australia. That's what I think. Mm. And I believe he actually had to ride a dark horse to the Qatar Open, I believe. <laughs> that's tr- that's true. Uh, he was deemed, yeah, not old enough to to ride the train by himself. So, <laughs> t- so he did <laughs> indeed use that as a mode of transport. But I think Andre Rublev is uh, is a very promising. Um, man child and so he's the one that i'm thinking will be fedding up uh, come this open and my poo down lightning it gives me no pleasure to name it for the 11th straight time but it's sasha zverev alexander zverev need i say more just an utter disappointment he decided in the off season to spend his time going from exhibition match to exhibition match with Roger Federer through Central and South America. And it seemed to me that in every match, Federer was just gifting Zverev the first set. Uh, It was probably contractually obliged to do so. (laughs) And then he would just reel him in and Zverev would just crumble under pressure. So you could almost set your watches to the fact that that's the way the pattern of these exhibition matches would go. Some thought that that might be helpful to Zverev to be mentored, but those are the same people that see potential in Zverev full stop. I'm not one of them. He rocked up to the ATP Cup and admitted that he'd only had one day of practice yes. in the off-season and proceeded to just conk out. And the real loser in all of this was Nick Kyrgios, who thought it was cute to troll him and perform a push-up Every time oh, yes. on camera, every time that Sasha Zverev served a double fault. Um, and I'll let you be the judge of what went down when Tennis Australia the day after tweeted that Nick Kyrgios is pulled out of the singles with a back injury. I know. <laughs> so I can only hope that Boris Becker has locked him in a padded cell for the last five days and worked some sort of German witchcraft maneuvers on him to get him right but i don't see him going anywhere near the second week of the open and we should award him for his 11th straight poo down on this podcast a (laughs) giant gold poo down eagle which you can enjoy at home as far as that's your fed up and your poo down for this year mine cutters my fed up is one alex the demon demonure who is an absolute star the aussie soon-to-be legend who is just impressing us to no end. He's now currently ranked 18 in the world, which, considering he's only seven years of age, that is absolutely (laughs) incredible. So continues to play tournament after tournament way past his bedtime. I'm just amazed at the stamina of this child. So uh, I don't know how he gets past any of the labour laws in this country, um, but... Whoever he's funneling money back to. You're right. Between him and Rublev, they are showing promise that we haven't seen since the Olsen twins in the late <laughs> 80s, I tell you. And just, they're almost like two of those like demonic kids from a from an 80s horror film. You know, they just have so much potential <laughs> to kill. 
fueled by my own anxiety watching them on television destroy <laughs> higher ranked players. Sorry, there's a lot coming out here, but there is. Boris Becker is offering some fantastic <laughs> rates at the moment if you'd like to talk this through. And look, I have an Aussie tinged fed up and poo down this episode because my poo down is Ash Barty. Oh, ouch. So quickly they jump off the Barty boat. Oh, well, I have to, Cutters. We've talked about it already. The world number one back in Australia for the first time since becoming the world number one decides to donate her winnings and then loses in round two in Brisbane in a warm-up tournament. It was incredible. So she lost to uh, number 53-ranked American qualifier Brady. Uh, the fact that she lost to, to Marsha Brady, I think, is uh, significant. I think if you can't beat an 84-year-old <laughs> who's coached by Alice the housekeeper, I think that's um, a significant loss. <laughs> so While we're on the topic of sitcoms... Um... <laughs> Insert joke <laughs> about Sasha Zverev and different strokes. That's all I've got. <laughs> you owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. Kill violation. Verbal abuse. It's not touching the line. I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Catters, this has become a very important segment on this podcast. We tend to know what's happening on the court, but so much of the important news is that which is happening off the court. So Catters, in this segment called Mixed Troubles, what's going on in the world of our tennis players? Yes, Lightning, you know that I like to keep abreast of all of the social media profiles of the players and what's happening off the court can often be what impacts the mentality of the players on the court. So I was following with great interest a player that I feel seems to elude the backhanders by and large, mm. considering his profile, and that's one Dominic Team from Austria. Yes. Great player, had an amazing ATP finals in London, yeah, made the yeah. final of that and lost in three very tight sets to Tsitsipas. Brilliant player. I think we all agree he's one of the two or three knocking on the door to potentially snare a slam this year. And Dominic... Well, there's probably a reason why he hasn't been on our radar, if I'm honest with myself, and that's because he's really boring. He's exceptionally yes. boring. If you were to scientifically engineer a player that you wanted to just be stable, then Dominic <laughs> Team is your man. He's got a dog. He likes football. He goes for walks. You know, Nick Kyrgios, learn from this guy. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have an Xbox. He doesn't have a criminal record. And... He doesn't have any interest in starting his own, you know, music label. So just, he's on the straight and narrow. So Dominic, he's a simple man, simple pleasures. But he's also known on tour for having a relationship with uh, the French player, Christina Medenovic, who broke our hearts in mm. Perth in November when she won the Fed Cup. She led the French yes. to a Fed Cup victory. She's an amazing player. And so these two had had a relationship for a few years on tour and they've broken up. We don't know the circumstances mm. surrounding it, but there are some mixed troubles there. And mm. what is the telltale sign from Dominic's camp that things are awry? Well, when he showed up to the ATP Cup, look no further than his haircut. Full-blown 1990s frosted tips. Yes. Peroxided highlights. It was an absolute shocker. I just cannot... There are certain moments when I wish that a podcast was a visual medium. I know. I wish there was, you know, the, the last episode we recorded for the French 
when I was shirtless, uh, pantless, <laughs> and just straddling a Friendless. a small stool. Yeah, exactly. And viewers, I wish I could have shared that visual with you. But the second one is Dominic Team's hair, which just looks like an abomination of epic yeah. proportions. I don't know what he's thinking. I can only presume he's about to announce that he's joining a boy band. Uh, yeah, on tour that's it. and shelving the tennis racket life. Perhaps Kat is um, the backhand boys. <laughs> backhand. Or, um, Very good. You've been working on that one. <laughs> or what about balls to men? Outstanding. <laughs> uh, I would love some suggestions as to who should sign up to join that group. But oh, good. to be honest, he's the only one that has the look and feel for that right now because totally. he has just got – it's a complete and utter misjudgment. Who are advising these people? We go on about Nick Curios and who's advising him. Bernard Tomic, who's advising – who is advising Dominic Team? It's not hard. Like just you, – you've got a good crop of hair, buddy. <laughs> Don't make it look like Rublev's golden eagle that. shat on it on your flight down to Australia. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but um, Fabio Fognini called him a pineapple, which I thought was aptly put. And I think whenever a bloke by the name of Fabio is giving you crap, you know you have crossed a line, Dominic. I mean, there is an unwritten law that you have to blindly take any fashion advice from a man named Fabio. I take that point on board. But I just don't... It's an absolute free kick for the rest of the world. Dominic team, what are you doing? And and this is like trying to prove a point to your ex-girlfriend. It would be like me not making the high school swim team and going home and cutting off both of my arms and turning to the coach and those that got selected and go, ah, nah, 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 pointless team. I'm struggling to work out, Catters, which bit is imaginative and what's autobiographical in that story. So I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I will give myself the fed up of analogies for this year's podcast kickoff. <laughs> Lightning, now I hear you also have a, a mixed trouble that you've been tracking. Well, I have. This has come across my desk only today, Catters, and that is that the world number one doubles player, Robert Farrar, well, he's withdrawn from the Australian Open because he has simultaneously announced that he's tested positive for a banned substance, Boldenone, Boldy, Boldenone, but it, I don't know how to pronounce Bold it. Boldenone, yeah. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> the old balding gnome syndrome. I warned Bobby. I remember meeting Bobby in the locker room in the uh, in the late season of two thousand and six, and I said, "Mate." If someone, if you're at a club and someone offers you the old balding gnome tablet, just tell them you're not into that stuff. But no, does he listen, Bobby? He doesn't, apparently. <laughs> and it has come back to bite the 32-year-old Catters, the Colombian. So was it, a, was it a few images of his balding gnome that crossed your desk today that gave it away? <laughs> they look like landscape from a distance, Catters, but it is actually... <laughs> It's the first player I'm aware of that's pulled out with an STD from a, a tournament. <laughs> we'll let Boris be the judge of that. 
Yes, there you go. The 32-year-old Colombian who is the current US Open and Wimbledon champion. This guy's a big deal. Like, not everyone follows doubles, but for anyone in tennis world, this guy's top of the tree. He's an absolutely Mm. fantastic player and um, has been rubbed out. And fascinatingly, Kat, as you broke the news here first on the backhanders. This was the man who'd been snorting the lines. Correct. Probably one of your better lines, just quietly, Cutters. So <laughs> Very good. Fascinating that the prophetic talents of the backhanders coming into play here with f- news that Farrar has been done. It's it's a shocking revelation. Um, anytime you see the pure nation of Colombia tainted with the broad brushstrokes <laughs> of the word drugs, um, you raise an eyebrow. So I, I think we should definitely go to the B sample and the C sample for that matter. Fascinatingly, Kat, is we don't know yet whether he's guilty. He's claiming innocence and until proven otherwise. Um, he claims, and this is from the Colombian horse's mouth, um, believes that the substance is frequently found in Colombian meat and can distort the results of doping tests. So he believes it was the seven warthogs that he ate uh, for Christmas made his samples look so suspicious. So I don't know. What's your read? Well, I just I I remember talking to Bobby uh, pre Christmas, and I warned him specifically that celebrating New Year's by eating a drug sniffer dog, German Shepherd, was. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that's more remarkable about this Colombian player being done for drugs is that they were not of the recreational variety. So, <laughs> yeah, that has been the slur on his record back home in Colombia. So, yeah, the Colombians are just—they're up and up. They're like, "What's wrong with our cocaine, pal? Why do you have to move on to to balding gnome tablets?" <laughs> love it. I didn't understand a word you're saying, but it was, it's not important. Cutters, we need to take this thing home, and to do that, we offer our predictions. We name it, we put them on the line, and hold ourselves accountable. Cutters, I want to know, who are you tipping for this year's Australian Open? Well, Lightning, for the women's, you could throw a blanket over the field. I think it's fair to say it's probably the most open, open we've seen. It's um, the open squared. <laughs> That's correct. The, the most open open was was also the marketing campaign that I pitched that they didn't want to go for. Um, <laughs> as a result, I think that the women's will actually be won by Serena Williams. Do you? Yes, I think she will break the drought that she's been experiencing. I think that the Auckland form that she has shown will mm. hold her in good stead. And I, I really believe that she's a a great chance of winning this one. I know it sounds ridiculous to kind of think of that as almost an outsider tip, but she mm, has been struggling mm. in the last couple of years. And I think that this is her best chance of winning a slam and the stage is set. She's snuck into the top eight seedings. She has. That's huge. Yep. I think so. And in the men's, it's hard to go past Djokovic. I think he would be the overwhelming favorite with the bookies going into this tournament because he looks unstoppable on hard court. As you mentioned, it could be an issue that he's peaked already. He certainly expended a lot of emotional energy in winning the ATP Cup, which I know meant a lot to him. Unfortunately, no one else on planet Earth, but good on him. And (laughs) it's going to be hard to get up, but I think that he's the guy that everybody will be hunting. And 
I think he's such a safe pair of hands. And I keep going back to last year's Australian Open where he absolutely smashed Nadal in the final. Oof. And I feel like that's his nearest threat and it's going to be hard to see anybody getting close to him. Yeah, well, there you go. And Curtis, how about you give us a dark horse? They're your men's and women's favourites. If you had to pick someone left of centre, who would that be? For mine, it's looking back to the women's and saying that I think Petra Kvitova would be my dark horse. I have a f- right. just I was actually close to tipping her, but I think she's obviously an outsider now post hand injury that she suffered close to 2 years ago now, but it's remarkable yeah. her her comeback and she made the final at Brisbane. She looks fantastic. She's moving well on court. I think uh she's the one that I would hope would get through, but uh, let's see what happens. Well, there you go. They're written down. They're in ink now, cutters. We'll check in throughout the tournament and uh, see how you're going with that. For me, True to form, if it was if I was following the theme as has been the case in this podcast, I'd say Andrescu would win this tournament because she's pulled out. <laughs> yes, uh, I have previously tipped players uh, unable to contribute due to the injuries they'd pulled out with, and yet she's a huge hole in this tournament for me. She could be a massive threat. So with her gone, as you said, Catters, open, open, and I wouldn't be surprised if Pliskova, current second seed. I wouldn't be surprised if she does the biz this year. She's just taken out Asaka in Brisbane, who now slips to seed number three. So look, Barty, Asaka, Pliskova, Kvitova, and now Serena Williams. There's some great options there, but I'm going Pliskova. That is a bold call because let's face it, she has found a way to not win a slam from every position possible throughout her career thus far. So it would be a huge next step for her to win it. Exactly. So sometimes it's a matter of who doesn't fall over. And, uh, you know, Wozniacki has done that in other years. But with the field as tight as it is, can she be the the last person standing in uh, a couple of weeks' time? So that's my women's pick. For the men, you know what, Kat is... I- I'd love Fed to win. He's where the heartstrings pull because I want it. I think this is one of his last legitimate chances. I think this year, this Oz Open and Wimbledon are perhaps his last two real cracks at, at a slam. And yet, I actually wonder whether this year is the year that an up-and-comer tips them. We've only said that now for 12 consecutive years, but I'm going to keep <laughs> saying it, knowing that at some point tides will turn. For me, I actually think there is only one man outside the top three who can win it, and his name is Daniil Medvedev. He's only 23, but he has had an outstanding 12 months. He's an amazing form, played a cracker of a game against Djokovic just recently. Didn't get the biz done, but he's there and thereabouts. So... I mean, when you look at all the other chumps around the big three, Zvarev's forgotten how to serve, hasn't bothered to train. Apparently, uh, that's necessary. Uh, Del Potro can't function a body, so he's not here again this year. He's a house of cards, that bloke, so I reckon he's better off playing totem tennis, Del Potro. But then there's other guys, Nishikori, Gasquet, Andy Murray. None of them are playing. They've all pulled out. I don't think they cleared the rules to allow robots to compete, so Andy Murray's got to wait <laughs> for one more tournament. So really, if it's not the big three, the only guy left standing is Medvedev. So that's that's my two. And if Medvedev goes deep in the tournament, everyone's a winner because you know that every time he comes out to play, a little bit like Kyrgios, he's going to bring fireworks. He is... I mean, let's not forget, this is the guy that only a few years ago was literally throwing money to the umpire <laughs> at the change of ends. See, I defend him on that. I actually think he just didn't understand the term change of ends. And I think <laughs> innocent mistakes, scatters can be made. 
Absolutely. I, he was either tipping the ball kids or he was actually providing <laughs> bus money for Rublev who needed to find a way home. <laughs> for me, a dark horse, Nick Curios. Now, Kat oh, is- how quickly you turned back on the Curios <laughs> bandwagon, my friend. I've been I'm loyal to this, this guy. And the one time I don't predict that he's going to go deep in the tournament, you pull him out as your dark horse. Fine, he's out. You're right. No, he's done. I'll go with Berrettini. <laughs> Um, but seriously, Curios is in better nick than he's been. And to be honest, him playing with the fire threat, Canberra is his hometown. It's been significantly affected. I kind of wonder whether he, with the extra kind of juice to play and to give money to the cause for every serve, you know, I, th- I think his final ATP game shot that theory in the foot a little bit when he wasn't able to beat a mid-ranked player. But if ever there was a time he was going to pull it together, it would be this year. I just must underline one more time for the listeners. It's with every ace, not every (laughs) Legally speaking, I I cannot be responsible for sending this man bankrupt. (laughs) And look, Catters, we've reached the end of the episode. We need to do two things. And the first is to acknowledge the retirees this year. Carolyn Wozniacki, former winner of the Australian Open a few years ago, uh, she's bowing out and announcing that this will be her final Australian Open, her final Open, I believe. So because it's Carolina Wozniacki, that also means it's likely her final match will be round two. Uh, so pencil that one in. And uh, look, we will, in celebrating the greats that are leaving our game, we just want to offer you a way of remembering the past greats and the retiring players. So if you could all uh, go out to honour Wozniaki, I encourage you to leave early from events that you're attending this week. Um, events that you really should see all the way through early in the piece, just dip out. Honour the Wazza in your own way this week. I was actually thinking about it during the week because I thought she's talked about wanting to have kids and that's the next phase of her life. And I think when she does fall pregnant, she should definitely be under observation from about... <laughs> the sixth month because that child is going to be vying for an early exit if it has any of the DNA of her mother. Yeah, it was funny because obviously I'm based here in Copenhagen and I kid you not, the evening that she announced her retirement, one of the ticker texts rolling across the screen on the Danish news, you know, that little news text that goes across, was saying experts are divided as to whether Carolina Wozniacki's career has been a success. And I thought that sums it up. That's better than what I thought you were going to say, though, Cutters. I thought you were going to say, is querying whether she was a tennis player. So I'm glad there was more nuance there for our, our Danish friends. And the year that she did win the Australian Open, despite the fact that it has that large asterisk after the whole tournament was served Colombian meat uh, and therefore I had to pull out of the tournament. But that aside, she has still won an Open and that shouldn't be taken away from her despite the asterisk. Well, Cutters, we're about to sign off. Are there any other predictions you have for this Australian Open that that perhaps you know you can tease us with that you can we can be looking out for on the dawn of this Open? Lightning. This might seem like a peripheral comment to some listeners, but my encouragement to you would be this Open. If you're watching from the comfort of your own home, I just ask that you pay respect to the ball kids. Look, I've been keeping a close eye on these these little bastards over the last 12 months. And in France, they're lazy. In Wimbledon, they're uncoordinated. And at the US Open, 
they're obese. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So <laughs> their parents certainly do. So uh, you might. <laughs> And they've been <laughs> munching on the balls, those tummy little <laughs> new balls again. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just as a reminder to all patrons and the ball kids, uh, it's, these tennis balls are not donut holes. Please refrain <laughs> from putting them in your fat gob. <laughs> so it's just great to be seeing, you know, fit, young, sporty kids who know how to throw and catch a ball and um, look I know it's a sore point for you Lightning I know you were you dumped out of the tryouts many years consecutively and every time we went to the tennis you found the need to criticize overly criticize the ball kids on their form but I was walking around Melbourne Park because I was back a couple of weeks ago and I just just glanced across and saw just just kids training and I thought "Mm, that's good and I don't mean that in a creepy way. I just meant it's just we're in safe hands. It's okay, I'm boys, we've stop got talking him. now. End recording. I've got him. Oh, well, Cutters, that is episode one of our three-part series. We've previewed the Australian Open, but we will visit you again, dear listeners, in the middle of the Open, and then we'll review it at the end, so you'll hear from us twice more during this uh, Australian summer. So please, in the meantime, review and share. Check out our Instagram at The Backhanders and Facebook as well, and follow us along for the journey uh, as we enter the 2020 Australian Open. But until we meet again, quiet please.